Straight up. Yeah, straight up. He's no punk. Straight up vodka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a water bottle. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you don't want everyone that to way know. There's you're... plenty around. Yeah, I'm drinking a uh, a fettuccine, a nineteen eighty one. I think I need a little more, actually. I think I'm a uh, I'm drinking a Revolver Brewer Yalsbach. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, it's a full-bodied, smooth sipping on the classic Yak Texas box style. And Jeremy with his bottle of water filled with vodka. Nice. Uh, it's just water, unfortunately. Right now, I'm gonna get up in a second and make myself a drink. Jeremy, you sure you, you're making me nervous? You have no drink. Hang on, hang on. I'll be right back. Give me a sec. You gotta let your alcohol mingle with our alcohol. Oh my god, this guy sucks. I can't believe we invited him. This is gonna be the worst. <laughs> Whose idea was this? It was uh, it was mine and yours for him, right? Yeah, I think it's gonna be great. All right, welcome back to another week on Geek on a Leash. This week we're gonna be talking about a little Desert Power with the movie Dune. For that, we have a special guest, or as we lovingly call him, J One, and then myself, John, and then Dave. What is up, everybody? Yoo-hoo! Hey guys, happy to be here with you. Bringing the spice. Nice. That is it. Oh yeah, that's a that's a Dune reference, right? Yes. Yes. So, Dune is a pretty cool story. Uh, you know, written a while back, I want to say it was uh, written in the 60s. And uh, they made an adaption in this 65, film. 65, I think. Nice. Um, and then it wasn't a film until 1984 that kind of got marred by the success of Star Wars, right? But I think, for me, it was a kind of a cult classic following because I feel that the lore was just so much bigger and expansive and beautifully done. Um, you know, basically to set the tone, we have a planet that is the sole provider for fuel for interdimensional travel or space travel by folding time with spice, which expands and changes consciousness, right? And everybody in the universe wants that power because he who controls the spice controls everything. And we really focus on two major houses. Okay, hold on. Let me stop you there, John. John. You're good. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Okay, before we get really deep into this, okay, I got a confession to make. I don't know anything going on with Dune. I watched let's, let's it. Like, like, David brings up a good point. Let's let's start it stupid. Let's start it stupid. Let's pretend nobody knows what we're talking about. All right, so Dune. If we had to do it for people like David, which is pretty smart, but not spice melange smart. So probably uh, sand. You got sand. You got worms. You got drugs. And there's some politics and stuff in there as well. Does that sound about right? <laughs> it's spot on. I, I did catch some of that. Yeah, no, Dune's a pretty cool story. I, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, so, yeah, there's basically a guy. That, or Well, we'll start with the house. Like, there's there's the, the emperor, right? Uh, there's another group of people who kind of are controlling everything behind, which are the Bene Gesserit witches. Think of them like really selfish Jedis. And then you've got the House of Trades, which are initially painted as the good guys, right? You know, humble people who care about the people. You know, we'll say they're Democrats, right? Or whatever. Well, maybe we'll edit that out. Let's not make it too political. Dune does that well <laughs> enough on its own. But we'll say that House of Trades is they're they're portrayed as the good guys, the heroes, the saviors, right? And then you've got the Harkonnen, which are those who want to steal everything, be wealthy. They hate the Atreides. They're, they've destroyed their natural resources on their planet. They're just a bunch of bastards. 
And then you've got the Fremen who are natives to the this desert planet where this spice is found. Right? That's the backdrop in a nutshell. Yeah, and John, I think you mentioned it you mentioned it a minute ago. You said something about Star Wars. You know, I've heard it described as Star Wars for grown ups, basically. It's it's crazy how much similarities there are. You know, you've got the you've got a desert planet. You've got this this uh, galactic hero supposedly that's coming from this desert planet. You know he's got a destiny at, ahead of him. Uh, you know you've got you you called the Benny Gesserit like basically Jedi, and that's you know that's you see those parallels throughout that. And the same, I mean, you've even got moisture farming. So uh, I think you know really Dune as a novel and as a series really laid the the way for a lot of subsequent uh, sci-fi that came after it. it inspired generations of, of writers and directors and things like that. So it's had a massive impact on on uh, sci-fi as we see it today. It started off with a group of novels, am I correct? And then they had the, the uh, 1980s version of the movie. And then now we got this movie. So I guess... So let's start with the movie. Okay. Yeah, let's, you know, let's, start, let's, let's start off with the cast. I mean, we got... Uh, was it Timothy? Timothy. Yeah. Chamalek? Is that how you say his name? Or Shamalama Ding Dong, as he's affectionately referred at referred to. <laughs> Help me, Shamalama Ding Dong. You're my only hope. <laughs> we got Rebecca Ferguson as uh, Lady Jessica, right? Lady Jessica? Okay. And then uh, we got Poe Dameron. Yes. With a regal beard. As the Duke, Leto. And then we got the Aquaman himself, Jason Moma. Moa? Momoa. No, it's like remember it this way. You can't use you can't cut my grass because that's my Moa. Jason Momoa. It's my Momoa. <laughs> I'm here to help. Yard yard boy. Okay, so we'll refer him to as Mr. Bonet. And then you have uh Stellan Sagra Scar wait, Skarsgard. And then uh he was the Baron Valdemar, right? Yeah, Baron Valdemar. And then Josh Brolin was in there too. And then you have uh, Javier Bardem. And he's a, he's a really good actor. I like him a lot. So, David, let me ask you a question. You're the newer addition to the Dune-like theories. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't read the books or see the other movies really know much about it until you watched the HBO movie, right? Is that, is that correct? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's start there, David. Tell me what you thought of the movie and the experience of the, your initial contact with the Dune universe. Okay. So... Watching the movie was a little bit overwhelming for me because not only was I watching it with my kids and I had to pause it every five minutes. Like, hey, dad, what's this? Uh, dad, what's going on? Dad, what happened? Dad, what's that? Dad, 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 Yeah, so there's a lot of that. But I was really impressed with the visual effects, the things that they put in the movie. The storyline, you know, it was a tiny bit hard to follow just because of the distractions. I'm sure that... If I were to sit down again in closed room, I could definitely understand what's going on. I did go back and watch a kind of like a um, a recap about it on YouTube, and I, that cleared up a lot of things for me. So, with that being said, I thought the movie was pretty good. It was it was pretty intense. It, it was uh, it was there was some good dramatic feel to it, with the, along with the sci-fi. I just wish I knew more about the universe going into it. And I think that I would be really excited more about the movie. You know what? And that's what we're going to do today, David. We're going to help you with that. Because next we're going to ask Wilcox 
Uh, what did you think about the 2021 adaption of the Dune series? Well, you know, this is the first movie I've seen in theaters since COVID was, you know, kind of going on. And so that, for me, I was really excited because, you know, I love the Dune universe. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about the movie going into it from the standpoint I didn't know, you know, how it was going to compare. And so getting to see it in theaters, I can tell you that was a fantastic experience. Uh, cinematically, the movie is, it just hits it out of the park for me. Um, what I didn't realize going into it, the, the cinem- cinematographer, Greg Fraser, you guys may know some of his work. He did Mando. He was the cinematographer of Mandalorian. He's also the cinematographer for one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Rogue One. It had a very similar feeling to that. And he's also the cinematographer of the upcoming Batman movie. So really exciting stuff there. Like he, the way he laid out the the scenes in the movie, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the director was, he's top notch as well, but uh, just the framing in the movie was so great and the way that they, they laid the scenes out. Um, uh, this the characters were were really good um i enjoyed almost everyone's performances save one and we can talk about that as we get into it i'll i won't jump on this poor guy right now but uh the other thing that really stuck out to me um that i loved about it and this is probably partly where david's a little lost here not coming from the universe but they didn't do a lot of exposition there wasn't a lot of extra information that just kind of got in the way of the storyline it was basically just here it is. We don't need to explain what's happening behind the scenes. Just enjoy it for what it is, and it'll come as as we go through. And so from a movie experience, and I know we're going to get into the 1984 Dune, there was so much explanation all along through the movie that you're like, okay, this is, this is unnecessary, but you need it to be brought into the universe. I feel like they did such a good job of bringing you into the universe without mansplaining everything, basically. And and that was a really nice experience for me. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the books, from what I heard about the books, were coming from a first point of view. It, it jumps around, I'd say. I mean, there's there's points where it is. There's a lot of inner voice dialogue in the books. I mean... Massive amounts. Even in the first movie there was, and it was kind of weird because when I was watching Dune, the new one, I literally would watch certain scenes and I would hear like the Bene Gesserit go, could you be the one? And you're like, but it's not there in the new one, but it's almost like having a layered effect. And yeah, there's a lot of internal dialogue, but it isn't just from Paul Atreides. It's from multiple different characters. Uh, it really tries to paint the p- picture of what's going on in this universe from multiple perspectives. And I've always theorized that maybe it is from Paul's perspective, but because he's the chosen one, because he's expanded his consciousness, looking back on that, he's able to see all things because of the spice. So with you guys reading the books, would you say that the new movie brought that out? I would say yes and no. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, there the new movie is assuming one that you've, you've familiar with the universe, you know, and if you're not, you're going to have a lot of questions. Um, but, but by the same token, they're trying to make it an enjoyable experience for people without shoehorning a lot of extra information that slows the movie down. So yeah, I mean, it's the book. There's a lot of explanation. There's a lot of rich storytelling being woven in there and it's subtle in, in the new movie. It's very subtle with the way that they introduce elements 
Um, I thought one one aspect that that kind of brought this out is when Paul is on still on Caladan and he's doing research on Arrakis, and they're explaining some of the things that he's going to face on Arrakis through his schoolwork, you could say, and it, it gives you a little bit of a backstory, but it doesn't feel like pause the movie, let's explain what's going on, all right, now resume. It's just kind of, they did a good job of interweaving it uh, seamlessly without unnecessary distraction. Yeah, no, I agree with that entirely. There's a, the way they, they, so obviously they're going to do more than just this one movie, and if they continue on the process, there's plenty of opportunity to really get in depth and explain it in a more natural way, whereas the 84 version they really dissected it like right out the gate. Like the first like 20 minutes is the emperor's daughter talking about the universe and everything that's going on. And you get this whole backdrop, right? Which is cool in a way, but then you go right into the story and it's just more backdrop and information with a little bit of story as it's going on. And it's, it's, it's a lot to do and tackle a lot of information in two hours because they, where the movie ends and the new one, they go well beyond that and they go well into Paul's, you know, spoiler to anyone who doesn't want to know things. This is probably a good cutting point for you. Much love. Moving on now. Uh, so <laughs> Paul eventually becomes the chosen one. He drinks the water, you know, and uh, that's when he discovers, you know, that he can expand his consciousness and all that stuff. And he goes on to do great things and it liberates the Fremen, right? Whereas it's just so much information in such a short amount of time. Whereas they can, if they do this over a trilogy, man, it could be way, 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 way awesome. Yeah, I think we're gonna see for sure because what you got when you got into the the new movie is Dune, but it's part one. So part two, I think, is a foregone conclusion. The the movie's made like three hundred and seventy million dollars box office so far. So I mean. Uh, yeah, that was the thing. Is you know, not only that, but then there's all the HBO profits. It's a it's a hit, um, and in, I think we're going to see it carried through. Uh, you know, you're probably right, John. They probably could make three movies out of it. I think more than likely we're going to see two. Um, whether they go into the subsequent books and things like that, you know, I guess it just depends on the interest of the public and you know, in the rest of the movies. So what I'm hoping for, Jeremy, is uh, okay. So Dune two catches up to where the 1984 movie ended, right? And that's where we cut it. But then we do three, where Paul goes through the process, people get fat with water, and they're disgusting to him, and you know what I mean? And he becomes, like, disenfranchised almost, and then he becomes blind, and they throw him in the desert, and then there's the whole, like, the Children of Dune series, you know what I mean? Like, I'm hoping that if they do that, they go beyond and then start to dip into the books even more so, because there's so much untapped stuff there that is going to be amazing. I think if they do it correctly, did you see the miniseries that that came out on sci-fi? They had the two sets, the children of Dune. I haven't seen those myself. So I know the, the storyline, but I haven't actually seen how they executed it. I mean, James McAvoy's he's pretty good. So I imagine they're probably decent. All right. So yeah, I saw it on sci-fi. It was typical sci-fi stuff. Um, It was good. In a sense that it expanded on that story, and it was like if you would desire it and you wanted to have something put into the screen, they did that. But it it could have been so much better, and I feel it's just constrained from a limited budget. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm saying I hope that if they do a trilogy out of this, they kind of expand into that and do it at the level that they're doing it now. Because you're absolutely right, Jeremy. It is a hit. It was really well done. Now, was the original movie well received back in the 80s? 
there was some really like so the Duke Leto from the new one. I really liked him as a Duke. But he didn't seem to have the the harness uh, regalness that the original did. Like he was just so like overpowering. Like Paul, without change, we die. The sleeper must awaken. And then you know Paul's like screaming in the sky, like Dad, the sleeper's awoken. Like I did like that whole dynamic, and I felt that was a little bit lacking in the new movie. Yeah, isn't that just that's that was a David Lynch edition, though I believe, John. Uh, I don't think that phrase appears in the book, if I'm not mistaken. I think they kind of they did take some liberties to kind of add some stuff, which is cool. I mean, it made it, it made it his own. David Lynch is known for taking stuff and really, you know, kind of owning it um, <laughs> for good or for bad. I mean, as we as we talk about the 1984 movie, you know, <laughs> uh, I can only take so much sting in a metal bikini. So, uh, you know, there's that. You know what? You just gotta open up your mind, dude. I, I, I think we should have more sting in a leather bikini, <laughs> or metal bikini. And you know, honestly, it's kind of uh, disappointing they didn't. It's not very woke of them. I know where you're coming from. <laughs> I did see that picture, and he's like in a bikini with like Sting has this bikini on. Yeah, looks like most wings in the front. <laughs> D wings, oiled and glistening. <laughs> And of course, we're talking about Fade Rautha. He's a uh, he's a character that doesn't actually appear in the new movie. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful Fade. Oh yeah, he's. I think we're we're getting set up for the uh, for the second uh, part there. He he didn't appear in the 2021 version, uh, and I think the the exclusion there is missed. But I mean, you can only cram so much into a two and a half hour movie. So I read somewhere that in the second one, there's a rumor that he that's where he'll make his appearance. So we'll see. I'm really stoked for it. I'm, I'm just, you know what? I'm glad the new movie did as well as it did. I didn't go great with everyone, but it did way, way, way better than the 1984 adaption of it. Like, I mean, to be fair, that's like being like, you know, the skinny guy at a muscle competition. You know what I mean? Like you're sitting there flexing and then Star Wars walks in with like steroids. You're like, oh, everyone's going to flock right over that. You know, Dune didn't stand a chance with the way it was presented on this big screen. But the books, I think, are the potential what's going to help it grow if it's done right. So do you think from these movies there will be like a little off-branch of series? There's definitely the source material there. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, what are we up to? 15 books now? Is it 20? Something? There's a lot. I mean, when Brian Herbert kind of took up, took up his father's mantle and started started writing material afterwards, I mean, they did prequels, they've done sequels. Um, you know, you probably stretch thousands of years in either direction of the original Dune book. Uh, so there's plenty of source material. Um, some of it's very interesting and, and I mean, the world definitely expands beyond Paul Atreides. It does real quick too. I think like, uh, what, by the second book, he's already out in the desert blind and gone. And then it just kind of goes on. Now I haven't got a chance to read a whole lot of the books. Uh, I started the first one and... I mean, the differences and like, okay, not the differences, but the um, the depth of the like emotion was what really got me. Like, okay, so we, let's talk about the Gomjabor test. That was in both movies. And that's where Paul is forced to put the hand in his box. And then the, the Benny Gesserit subjects him to a pain test with a poison needle to his neck. If he pulls his hand out, the power that he possesses is too powerful for him. And he's a wrecking ball and they have to put him down. But if he can keep his hand and he proves he's a man and is allowed to live, right? That's what we're subjected to in the movie. And he succeeds, right? And you're like, oh, okay, that looks so. And then the 80s adaption, his hand melts off. You see the bone disintegrate, right? 
In the book, however, what I really appreciate about it is that Leah, his mom, Lady, um, good Lord, what are words? Jessica. Lady Jessica. And okay, so in the book, Lady Jessica is uh, reminiscing almost like a PTSD trigger about her experience with the Gumjabar and how she feels so awful for even burying a son because now he's being subjected to the thing that scarred her emotionally. And like, to me, that was such a powerful thing about motherhood because that's exactly how a mother responds to any time a kid skins his knee. It's it's, they run and Jessica couldn't do that. She was trapped outside the door because of her position, because of her title, and because by intercepting that would be certain death for Paul. And so she then there had to allow this tragedy to happen to her son and give her son the chance to prove that he was the man he's destined to be. Yeah, and I think they did such a good job with the new movie and kind of portraying that emotion. Um, you know, the whole fear is the mind killer speech she's got going on outside of the door. You can tell she she thinks her son's going to be dead when she walks back in. So that was that was really well portrayed in the new movie. I think the scene was was cool. And I, I you're right. There's so much more to that scene in the original novel. Uh, I think it probably plays out over oh a good I don't know ten minutes of of book space. Uh, you know, as far as that goes. So definitely a pivotal scene. Yeah, no, just, you know, another thing is I've, I've always grown up here the books are better than the movie. And I always hate those people. I was like, shut up. But <laughs> when I read, like, you know, because I got, I want to say about 50% through the book. Um, man, from where I was at, I was like, dude, this is, there's so much more lore. And it's so well written. It's almost like an intimacy. It's, it's, it's a passion project. And you can really feel the love that was put into every page. Yeah, I'd say it's up there with Lord of the Rings as far as, you know, the amount of back information, backstory that goes into it. It's like Frank Herbert knew before he even started, you know, what was going to be going on. Uh, He was, I could tell he was three books in, you know, really when he started writing the first one, as you're reading it, you can tell he's setting up, you know, this, this entire universe that, uh, again, modern science fiction owes its, you know, its roots to. So yeah, you know, Jeremy, you being the guest, I would love it if you kind of just took the reins and kind of like guided us in on uh, what's going on in the movie. Like start with the plot and uh, tell us a little bit about it, you know, uh, especially it'll be easier for you because of your um, your rich history with the desert. And you're a nerd. Yeah, nerd. Okay. So uh, going back to the discussion about the plot on uh, the the. 2021 version and uh, kind of what we thought of it um you know we we start out i think there's that amazing scene with the ships where you know the the emperor's um uh you know uh delegation i can't think of the word that the delegation comes to basically let them know what they're going to be doing they're going to be taking over arrakis um everybody knows right off the bat you know this is fishy it's a trap um and so you know i think they did a really good job making it feel like, you know, you knew there was something afoot. You knew they were getting into something that was going to be a bad time for everybody. Um, but that's duty. And uh, I, I, I think I love the way that they, you know, wove the story with, with Oscar Isaac doing the, um, you know, talking about with his son how, how you know, this is going to be something that's going to grow them as a family. Um, the backstory with the um, uh, the family on Caladan, that's something that, that it was in the novel – I don't feel like it was touched on as much in the 1984 movie, but it was it was really uh, richly done in the new one. Um, so you know, obviously, they show up on the planet, and 
you know, it doesn't take long for stuff to go down. And, you know, all of a sudden the, the Sardaukar are there with the Harkonnen troops and, you know, they've been betrayed and, you know, that felt like it was, it was a huge blow. And it took me a few minutes to remember that in the novel, it didn't take but 100, 150 pages for the, this to happen. It, it felt so sudden. And that's really because that was the kickoff of the story. You know, the what's leading up to it is just it's setting up. But, you know, as soon as as soon as the Sardaukar show up, uh, that it's over for them. And, and that battle scene, I don't know what you guys thought, but that to me was it, the really well done. Uh, you know, what do you what do you think of that battle, David? Like you had all those ships coming from outer space. You got all these people in the dark running in the desert and they're trying to fight them off. It was pretty intense. Uh, what sucks though, like Oscar Isaac character, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a good, I'm a big fan of Oscar Isaac. I think he's a great actor. There's so many other movies besides Star Wars I've seen him in. And, uh, it was unfortunate that his character ends up just like ends up dying towards the beginning, you know, um, butt naked at the dinner table. Hey, at least, at least he took out some Harkonnens with him. (laughs) Remember the tooth. (laughs) So yeah, we, so basically, you know, let's talk about why were the Atreides designated to go to if I, remember, if, if I remember correctly, basically they were a threat. So, you know, you see right off the bat in the movie especially, I mean, House Atreides, some of the best warriors in, in the whole galaxy, uh, you know, and the Emperor Shaddam, you know, was, he was definitely threatened. And so it was kind of just a little... Uh, little political maneuvering to get the Harkonnens back in, you know, and, and, uh, they wanted to get rid of this house. And that's throughout the whole novel, you know, you have, you have Benny Gesserit and you've got the emperor, the house Carino, and they're all, you know, just pulling the strings behind the scenes. And unfortunately, poor, uh, poor house Atreides really ended up on the short end of the stick on this one because they, uh, yeah, they, uh, they got taken out pretty fast. So, Correct me if my memory's right here. So what I understood about, if I'm kind of putting all of it together, is that the the emperor is definitely wrapped his he's been wrapped around pretty tightly by the Bene Gesserits. He reveres them as the highest authority of the universe, right? And the Harkonnen have been given authority over Arrakis and were the supplier, and they were becoming richly wealthy. However, the Bene Gesserits feared Paul Atreides. Because of the potential of him to become the Quizic Hatterach, right? And so that fear led them to wanting them to be terminated. And the best way to do that would be to then move them to Arrakis and set the trap so that it could only be a beneficial thing. The Bene Gesserits get rid of Paul, and then the Harkonnen get to get rid of House Atreides. And I believe that was the grounding for why the story started in the way it did. Am I, am I hitting that right, Jeremy? I think so. Yeah, they they definitely were not happy with the fact that Jessica had decided to father a son. Uh, I, if I remember right, it was it was a generation too early. The intention was to wed the two houses together and therefore have more control over either one of them. But because of her actions, it kind of sped up their timeline, and so they were stepping in to uh, to try and wipe the slate clean. Did you say father a son? I guess, yeah, there you go. Mother, a son to bear a son. Yeah. That's coming from my perspective. I haven't born, I haven't had too many babies myself. So, you know, know, maybe poop one out, you know? Yeah. Butt babies. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, so we have, you know, then the the Atreides get to Arrakis, right? And they begin that process, and it, it's not very long. There's already, if you remember the the '80s version, talk about it with the um, the Guild of Travelers, right? Where it's just they they sense plans within plans, yes. right? So they they had multiple things going on, and. That's why uh, the Mintons. Let's talk about the Mintons and why this is important that their Minton betrayed them. Uh, give us background on the Mintons because they're basically their own lore in the universe. Yeah, the they did a good job of portraying them in the new movie, but the Mintats were were basically human supercomputers. I think it was the the Tleilaxu that that uh, basically created them. So we've got you've got. A serious lack of technology in this universe, thanks to the um, to the Butlerian Jihad. So, kind of the Matrix uprising, they wipe out all you know computers that are supposedly supposed to uh, emulate humans, human thinking, and instead you've got this race of superhuman thinkers uh, like uh, like Piter and um, oh gosh, uh, Thufir Hawat. So those are the the kind of the opposing mentats in the in the in the story. They're 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 on opposite sides. But um, man, the way that they portrayed them in 2021 with the the white eyes, basically the calculating that was going on there, I thought that was a, that that just was so much fun. Um, and I I prefer that to the the crazy eyebrows. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the 1984 movie. I mean, they, those were good actors. They probably did a better job betraying the role, but the sci-fi feeling of it, um, you know, it just, it, it's more modern. It fits, it fits what we're used to. I think, uh, I was pretty young in 1984 when the movie came out. So, uh, I don't remember too much about from being three years old. <laughs> no, that's fair. I actually, I watched the hell out of that movie. Um, over the years, uh, it's just one of my favorite science fiction movies, like a cult following kind of thing. They did a good job with a lot of things. It's just you said it spot on. There was a lot of mansplaining about what was going on that it really just derailed your average person from watching it because it, it, it was dry at times. And then when it was good, it was good. But then there was some over the top stuff like why is Sting in his underwear? Like, I will kill you. You can't take a guy who's naked seriously, right? Like That's what my wife says all the time. <laughs> but at the end of the day, no one's going to want to fight a naked guy, man. Yeah, I'm not. I've yeah. definitely used it as a way to get out of fights. And let me tell you, it works. But no, I, you know, so there's some different things. In it, but it did do some things well, you know, and it, and then it definitely took its weird liberties. But... For what it's worth, I, what I liked about 2021 is it, it took the best of both worlds and modernized it in a way that it was a it appealed to everybody. Even if you were a bit of a nerd and you didn't uh, appreciate certain things, you can appreciate the love they put into that and making it feel real. And that's what it needed. There's just a few things that I'm picking bones with. Like, I don't know. I'm a nerd. 1984 Chani. I sent you a picture of that, David, versus the new one. And... uh Still hard up for the 1980s ladies, bro. Like, even Mrs. Jessica, you know, Paul's mom had it going on back in the 80s. But she did a better job portraying the emotional side of it, which honestly is more important. Not everything is yeah, physical. I guess that's important. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So if we're, ta- if we're talking about cast, I think there – there were so many good actors in the new version. They kind of plucked everybody from all the universes. So, you yeah. know, what's your favorite? You like Marvel? You like Star Wars? You like, you know, we're going to take from everything, which is cool. I have one complaint. 
and that is Mr. Lawnboy. I just could not take Jason Momoa seriously at any point in the movie, unfortunately. I like him as an actor, but the character of Duncan Idaho, he's not your bro. You know, he's he's this detached swordsman. He's, you know, it, it's like they took the characters of Gurney Halleck and, and Duncan Idaho and kind of flip-flopped them because now you've got Thanos – you know, he's the hard up, you know, swordsman that's that's, you know, teaching him how to survive and Duncan Idaho's the bro, you know, and it, it just uh, I could have done without that level of like Chad in the movie, kind of, you know. <laughs> I, I think that Jason Momoa 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 right? Momoa. I, I got the feeling like he was still a little bit stuck in the Aquaman character, just a little bit. Making that transition to Dune, and you're you're right. I, I I think he was one of those characters that, well, eh, you know, he wasn't he didn't stand out to me. He wasn't a really big. Oh man, he, he did a really good job playing that character. Which well, for, but then again, I didn't know who that character was to begin with. But a new person coming into this, I, I don't feel like uh, he stole the spotlight or anything like that. It was just, yeah. No, he's like a wet blanket. Just, ah, just there. And I think what what my beef with his performance was is that everybody else in the movie seemed to really be dialed in to what was going on. They were all they understood the seriousness, and maybe they were trying to give him like a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, ego in the movie, and 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 you know, he was. Um, you know, a little bit more bread. Br- br- uh, I can't think of the word. You know, bragging rights, basically. But uh, I, I could have done without some of the some of the um, the the older brother buddy cop kind of feel uh, of of his character. Now, speaking of the cast, Dave Bautista, he's always been a really good bad guy. And if you've seen him in the James Bond movies, uh, he wasn't a bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy. But I've always enjoyed his uh, characters. That he's always portrayed, and I thought he did a pretty good job acting in this movie. But then again, I don't know who that character was. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, in the novel or in the original '80s movie. But I'm just saying, I'm just trying to put my my little sense, my little two cents somewhere to be relevant to this whole thing because I don't know what is going on. So, John Stellan Skarsgård, we got Vladimir versus. The 1984 version. What are your thoughts? Because I, I mean, he had to be the most polarizing character in that entire movie. Garsgard, I liked that they made him more realistic and firm and rigid with just hate, right? But it was like conscious. It was lucid. It wasn't like the 80s version where he's like, "Ah, hey, Atreides," and he's like half naked with a device that makes him float around and like, Rah! like. He was like the weird Wicked Witch of the West of the 80s version, pulling out cords from people's hearts so they bleed out and just rubbing his face in blood. Now, this guy, like, if I were to see the guy in the 80s version, I would just draw and shoot him and run away, right? Whereas Skarsgård, I would be scared that no matter what I did, that he would find my family and kill us all. Like, he, he literally harnessed that evilness, and I think that was beautiful. Like, I hope we get more of it. Yeah, it was- Godfather is like Brando. Yeah. yeah, he really I feel the same way. He just you just you felt he he made you uncomfortable but not because he was, you know, half naked and 
you know, sweating a lot, <laughs> pus everywhere and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, David, you need to check that part out. Uh, that's that's particularly appetizing scene where they're draining the uh, the pus from his uh, face blisters. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great part of the 1984. And movie. everything with the 80s art was like hypersexual too, like like almost incestual, like him rubbing his hand down like fade heart going, my beautiful fade. You're like, bro. <laughs> yeah. What's the whole deal with him in that pool? In that uh, in the pool where it's like a regenerating pool? Is that what that is? Are we talking about the right person? I, I think no. I I think that's kind of the idea. Um, was he in a bath in 1984 or did they have him like in those, I remember Fade Routha came out of that crazy, like steam bath thing at one point. I think that's kind of the same deal. So just almost like a Bakta tank, but not really. Right. Yeah. I don't remember what's up with that, Dave, to be quite frank with the pool. I'll have to do more research on that. It was, it wasn't that big of a thing, I guess for me to, but there's obviously something that's correlated to the Baron's health. I believe it's all vanity related because the Baron is excruciatingly vain. Yeah. But, and ugly looking. Blech. You know, kind of tying it all together, seeing what we've seen and experiencing what we've seen now in the new movie and how well it did. Where, where are you guys hoping that this takes the journey next? Well, you know, I where they left off, you know, we you've got a lot of book and movie left. There's really a lot of story left, and I think as long as they keep um, they keep up the same energy of the of the uh, you know there's going to be a lot of huge scenes coming up. You know you've got you've got riding sandworms, you've got you know you've got drinking the water of life. There's all sorts of big moments that are coming up in this second movie. Um, so I think it's all in how they execute. Uh, you know, getting the same characters to come back obviously is going to be huge. I. I think it could be fantastic, you know, if they if they execute it right. But uh, I think having the same cast and the same uh, director and cinematographer come back is going to be absolutely monumental because you can't you can't start something like this and then hand the reins off. I mean, we've all seen that happen with other movies, and you know, you completely lose the vision. I don't care if you're you know Zack Snyder or whoever it is. Uh, if you, you're not allowed to carry through on what you've what you've started, um, it's it's going to be a bad time. I think you're exactly right on that. That's most important with this movie. The way it was, me watching it for the first time, not knowing what this was, I hope to see that continuation of the the feel from the first one into the second one, and tie it all in really nice. No. That works. Uh, you know, I agree with you guys. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, this could be our generation or not our generations, but this generation's Star Wars experience, right? You look at uh, the 80s adaption. They tried and they struggled and it just didn't have the momentum to really push it forward. You know, we 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 tried doing some stuff in the 90s, or early 2000s to kind of do mini series on it. We even did video games uh, in their own right. We're good. Uh, but were only for those people who really sought them out because they love the lore, right? There was a real-time strategy in an RPG that existed way back in the day. That's a whole other conversation. We can do a retro video game conversation. But here's the thing. Like, if they continue at the rate that they're doing, they have so much source material. So much source material. And I, what I would like for them to do is make a trilogy out of this, finish the first book, and then boom. And then from there, they could do like Showtime, HBO, whoever they want, and make whatever miniseries they want after, before, anywhere. 
And if it's high production with the right people, man, this is literally, I think, will be bigger than Star Wars. I honestly feel it in my heart of hearts. Don't get me wrong. I'm not crapping on Star Wars. I love Star Wars. And for someone like me that hasn't followed the novels or uh, the 1980 version of the movie, I could see myself watching like miniseries of this universe from the movie that they gave us on HBO Max or in the theaters if you went to the theaters. I, I thoroughly did enjoy the movie, and I think that they could do some really good series on this kind of stuff. You know, John, you mentioned something a while back in one of our other podcast episodes about, uh, you know, adaptations of these video games and, you know, books that they can make these nice little series in these streaming services. And I hope they do this with this movie because it really does have a lot of potential for these little mini series, little stories, side stories here and there that's connected to this Dune universe. So, yeah, and I agree with you 100%, David. I mean, uh, you think about, you know, what we grew up on, which is Star Wars, and they have really fleshed out the lore of Star Wars to a point where you almost can't get enough. I mean, I know when Mandalorian came out, we were so stoked and we've gobbled up every inch of it, you know, as far as that goes. Like Kobayashi! From the same standpoint, you know, you, you look at, uh, and this is this is the interesting thing for me, the first book I read in the series, and I was probably 12 when I read this, was God Emperor Dune. I don't know why I picked that up first, but I got in weirdly way in the middle, and it took me a while to go back and catch up in the universe, and so I already had this weird, you know, foreshadowing what was going on, and I was really confused, but... But taking it from the beginning and and going through, there is so much to be developed as you go down the golden path. I mean, we're going to see uh, a lot of successful, uh, you know, IPs come out of this. I, I think if if uh, if they choose to do that, and then I, it, it's really exciting because uh, this movie has renewed my excitement around the Dune universe. Now you mentioned being a little confused with reading that the books you're talking about, Jeremy. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, that's because there's a giant sandworm that used to be a person. And that is a weird place to come into a book when you don't even know what a sandworm is. Well, that's your own fault for reading books. Just watch movies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, why read a book? Just watch the movie. I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, if we're going to go forward, I, can we just age Gurney Halleck a little bit in the next one and then bring him back as Patrick Stewart? I know that's impossible, but I'm just saying, oh, you know. Yeah. Patrick Stewart was my favorite part of the 80s version. With the bald mullet? I mean, that's amazing. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> I did not know he was in the 80s version. Oh, yeah. He's he's yes. one of the better characters, yeah. Yeah, no. You have Kyle McLaughlin, um, Patrick Stewart, Brad... Do I cannot even say his last name. Brad Pitt. No. <laughs> uh, you know, there was... You know, we, there's quite a few interesting people in them. Uh, if you were to go back and watch the 80s version, you'd be like, holy crap, they're young there. I know exactly who this is. And it's it's terrible but great in its own right. And if you haven't seen it, David, like at some point I highly recommend you watch it just for the sake of understanding this podcast that we're involved in a little better. But, uh, yeah, this has been an awesome uh, time hanging out, talking about the Dune universe, guys. Uh Jeremy, it's been a pleasure to see you again, man. It's been too long, brother. 
Uh, same here. I hope it's not that long again. Uh, definitely uh, enjoyed my time here. Uh, you guys are you're a blast to hang out with, obviously, and uh, I'm glad to, to meet somebody who's almost as... Well, no, you're probably more nerdy with Dune than I am. I think you've got a better background on it than I do, so... And David, you're welcome too. You can come along and talk with me and John anytime about nerdy stuff if you want. (laughs) (laughs) So check out our uh, social media, our Twitter, all that stuff. Like and subscribe, please. And then next week we will reconvene for some more stuff. If you have any more ideas of things that you would like to discuss, maybe argue or go over schematics of, hit us up on social media. Give us some ideas. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, Geek on a Leash.